time for the Tech Mobility Show with Ken Chester. Ken is a veteran journalist who doesn't always color between the lines. So, here he is, the host with the electrified personality, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This is the Tech Mobility Show, formerly known as Roadworthy Drive, still the program for mobility and technology news, information, and perspective. I'm Ken Chester. Thank you for coming along for the ride. During this episode, topic A is a review of the Honda Accord hybrid sedan. And yes, automakers still manufacture passenger cars. And here's another fact for you to consider. They're better than ever. Forget about chat GPT. The radio industry is being confronted by Radio GPT. And this is topic B. I take a look at this technology and it threatens to disrupt radio at its core. Topic C follows the results of one company, not in radio, that adopted AI into their operations along with their results. We love hearing from our listeners. To add your voice to the conversation, be it to ask a question, share an opinion, or even suggest an idea for a future segment, call or text the Tech Mobility Hotline. That number, as always, 872-222-9793. Or you can email the show, Talk at techmobility.show, and that's talk at techmobility.show. And as always here lately, I will add this. We be social. And that means pretty much everywhere that you are, we are. And that's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. We have a YouTube channel. We have a podcast, two podcast streams. And we're on LinkedIn. So please check us out wherever you get your information and wherever you hang out in social media. Please follow us, like us, say something nice about us. We'd love to have the support. And I'm making a play particularly for YouTube and Facebook. Please, it'd be really greatly appreciated. Thank you. From the Tech Mobility News Desk, both vehicles and charging networks are vulnerable to hacking. I don't know why this should be a shock. If man could invent it, man can break it. Fun fact, did you know that the first recall ever for hacking vulnerability actually happened eight years ago? Eight. And it was a Stellantis vehicle. Now, at the time... They were not bad actors. They discovered the vulnerability before anybody was truly harmed by it. But it was, it was a triggered federal recall for vulnerabilities through the infotainment system of certain Stellantis back then Fiat Chrysler cars. 2015. First recall ever. As we've been moving forward towards electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles, The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, over a couple of years, issued guidelines. They were not laws and they were not regulations, but guidelines. One of the, uh, relative to autonomous vehicles, they also issued a companion document for cybersecurity. What they were looking for to accomplish was best practices to protect for third-party vendors, OEMs, suppliers, anybody that interacted with the car or had any interaction with transmission of data or the manipulation of data within the vehicle. 
their approach was not to prevent the vehicle from being hacked, but what to do and how to handle it when it was. And their plan, their suggestions were levels of protection. Think of it as an onion. Think of it as Kevlar. Kevlar protects people because of the layers. The more layers you have, the more difficult it is to cause harm. You only get so far. And they put out actually over the course of between 2015 and 2020, no less than three versions of that document. But here we are in 2023 talking about how vehicles and charging networks are vulnerable to hacking. And with the rise of EVs and autonomous driving systems, cyber hacks on vehicles and EV charging networks are also rising. If you are a fan of the Fast and Furious franchise like I am, there is one of the movies that shows complete horror story of what could happen. And honestly, thank God, no, they're not to that point, but where they showed a hacker getting control of a bunch of vehicles and sending them out of parking garages down in the street, two, three stories below to stop somebody. Mm, we're not talking about that quite that level yet. Not quite yet. And if they do their job, it hopefully that will never happen. But yeah, I can see where you might be a little freaked out by, you know, the fact that they're vulnerable. The attack in March on Ferrari's customer database by hackers, who then demanded a ransom from the Italian supercar company, is the latest high-profile report of cybercrime carried out against an automaker. And why Ferrari? Really? Uh, they surmised, and probably properly, high-disposable income people own Ferraris. So if I can grab the customer list, I could have a field day. The number of publicly reported automotive cyber attacks is on the rise. Israeli firm Upstream Security says that the number of automotive application programming interface attacks jumped 380% last year over the year before. And this came despite automakers using advanced cybersecurity protections. People. Part of this happens because people want to introduce third-party systems into this, uh, plugging into the OBD port with something that is not verified. And we've talked about this with the Internet of Things where at one time, and I don't know if this is still the case, but they had not engineered this stuff for cybersecurity. Therefore, it, it was weak and the hackers were exploiting the weaknesses. And you think back maybe five or six years ago, you might have remembered people getting locked out of their cyber-secure houses, their connected stoves being turned all the way up, crazy stuff like that because they're being hacked. Or you might remember the case of the, um, I believe it was either Nest or Ring, where they had internal cameras being hacked by somebody and being harassed. This is a real thing. It's a real thing. This same technology that allows for seamless charging and monitoring the charging stations to change the subjects a little bit, experts warn, also open up new vulnerabilities for cyber attacks. Do you remember a few weeks back we talked about being careful about where you charge your cell phone? Well, folks, now you need to be careful about where you charge your EV. 
A successful attack on the developing charging infrastructure could cause widespread disruptions, not only impacting individual vehicle owners, but transportation companies and public transit systems as a whole. To my knowledge, I don't believe yet, at least notified, that we have had such an attack on our charging system infrastructure here in the United States. However, about six years ago, a security researcher accessed BMW's connected drive, which allows drivers to control various functions of their car remotely, including the door locks, heating and cooling systems, and entertainment features. Electric vehicles are far more software-based than internal combustion engine vehicles and therefore are even more vulnerable to cyber hacks. Along with the connection between the charger and the vehicle to recharge the battery, the connection is also transmitting huge amounts of data. So it begs the question, if you're not using the Tesla supercharger network, are you relying on the uh, hodgepodge of a network that's being built out by utilities, private companies, and everybody else across the country over the next five to six years? The question, the bigger question is, is there an overreaching, overarching security protocol that all of these other companies are going by? I mean, Tesla's supercharger system right now uh, is the gold standard in terms of uptime and security. Not heard anybody getting hacked through the Tesla system, at least not to date. Can't necessarily say that about the rest of the system that's being built by some of everybody. So the argument or the conversation that needs to be held right now is, what are they doing to protect EV owners to plug into the system? And more importantly, are the home chargers that are being developed, are they safe? Are you building in cybersecurity to that? So don't get hacked at home. Things to think about. Things they will work out. Absolutely. Things to think about right now. According to Upstream, just 4% of recorded hacking incidents occur on EV charging networks. That's right now. I wonder how that's going to change as we build out the networks in the years to come. Will we be on top of this? I hope so. When it comes to performance, the Honda Accord Hybrid takes no prisoners. This is the Tech Mobility Show. Welcome to AONMeetings.com, your next video conferencing and webinar platform. Host your next virtual meeting or your paid webinar with registration and secure file sharing, break rooms, classrooms, and much more. With over five levels of security to know that your data is safe and secure and 100% browser-based, keep in touch with family and friends using the newest meeting platform. Go to AONMeetings.com to start your free seven-day trial. That's AONMeetings.com to start your seven-day free trial. Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, 
I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us. Once and for all, Jeep Pickup is going to show you which automatic four-wheel drive pickup has the best traction. Normal automatic? Sure. Jeep Pickup challenges Ford, Chevy, and Dodge to get on the logs. Jeep Quadratrack automatic four-wheel drive sends power to the wheels that have traction. The Jeep Pickup's out of trouble. The other automatic four-wheel drives are just spinning their wheels. There you go. Jeep Quadratrack gives the best traction in normal automatic, and that includes ice, sand, and mud of any automatic four-wheel drive pickup, period. Jeep was pulling no punches, but to borrow a phrase from AMC, who owned Jeep at the time, if you were coming up against the nation's three largest automakers, what would you do? In Jeep's case, in 1979, call them out. Notice they talked automatic four-wheel drive and not a manual four-wheel drive, which would have a bit more flexibility in terms of getting those other fellas out of trouble. But they didn't. And Jeep used it as a marketing tool. Imagine that. It was introduced to the motoring public around the world during a time when high gas prices and tightening emission standards created an opening for a variety of well-made vehicles that didn't cost much, yet offered consumers high fuel economy and lower emissions. 47 years ago, on May 7, 1976, the Honda Accord, then a compact passenger car, was initially offered as a three-door hatchback and a four-door sedan. Along the way, the Accord became the vanguard for the automaker's first passenger car manufacturing plant in the United States during the early 1980s. By the end of that decade, the Accord was considered to be one of the best-selling cars in America. Manufacturing for the Accord sold in the United States moved to Marysville, Ohio, with the introduction of the second generation of the vehicle in 1981. For the 1989 model year, the fourth generation Accord became a mid-sized sedan and ditched the hatchback model, although a coupe would continue in the lineup until 2017. A station wagon variant was also produced from 1989 to 2015. However, the Accord's first attempt at producing a hybrid model was announced to the world in 2004 as a 2005 model. This is topic B. Over the years, Honda seemingly had a love-hate relationship with the Accord hybrid models and the technology used. First, during the eighth generation of the vehicle in 2005 to 2007, Honda would try again seven years later during the ninth and tenth generations of the vehicle to try to find a sweet spot. Perhaps the technology wasn't ready. Maybe the motorists weren't ready. In any case, the hybrid continued to be a challenge for the automaker, a small splotch on an otherwise stellar performance. With the 11th generation of the Accord introduced in November of last year as a 2023 model, the Honda Accord hybrid may have just come into its own. 
And this is being, this is, despite being introduced into a marketplace, <laughs> that's going seemingly in two different directions. A move towards pure electrics and a decades move to light duty trucks, crossovers, and SUVs. Available in four trim levels, power for the 2023 Honda Accord Hybrid is generated by an Atkinson Cycle 2-liter four-cylinder gasoline engine together with a permanent magnet electric motor and a 1.3 kilowatt ba kilowatt-hour battery pack that provide, combined provided 204 horsepower. Torque is driven to the front wheels via a two-motor hybrid system in place of a traditional automatic transmission. EPA fuel economy is 51 city 44 highway for the XEL trim level and 46 city 41 highway for the other three trim levels. 91 octane gasoline is recommended but not required. Cargo capacity is 16.7 cubic feet. Here's what I liked about the vehicle. The 2023 Honda Accord Hybrid does not apologize for being a sedan and a hybrid at that. Low, wide, and aggressive, the Accord is designed to make an entrance. The hybrid powertrain is designed to bring you there quickly and, if need be, provide a fast getaway. In addition to the hybrid powertrain, the Accord borrows a page from the current crop of SUVs and crossovers with Econ, Normal, and Sport Drive modes. A fourth mode, Individual, allows the driver to further select and set individual preferences for powertrain, steering, accessories, and gauges. In EV mode, and it has a pure EV mode, by the way, the Accord Hybrid can travel as a pure electric under certain low-speed, low-load conditions for a range of 47 miles. Hmm, just don't turn on the heater. In the normal drive setting, there's plenty of fun to be had as the drivetrain delivers an immediate response to the driver inputs that is liquid smooth. The Accord Hybrid hugs the pavement like a race car and handles just as precise, super stable at speed. This car is more than a willing partner in an open road. Inside the cabin, the low profile allows for easy entry and exit from all doors. Both front seats fold flat, for those of y'all that need to know, and the rear seat accommodations are comfortable for two adults, easy, three in a pinch. The 70-30 split rear folding rear seat increases the functionality of the cargo area. Here's what I didn't like about the vehicle. There's no spare tire. And to the best of my knowledge, the, 20, the 235 40R19 tires that the Accord Hybrid comes with are not self-sealing or run flats. The infotainment system is not user-friendly, especially for Android phone users. I paired my phone to the car, but I couldn't use it. And I'm not a fan of the radio controls. And despite the roominess of the rear seat, there were no USB ports of any kind or heated seats. In fact, other than the center armrest with the dual cup holders, I found the rear seating accommodations to be surprisingly spartan. The glove box is small, with barely any room for items besides the owner's manual. And finally, this. While display lighting is automatic, you can override the brightness setting. You're going to have to look for it, especially if the car decides to set the brightness to a night setting like it did for me in the middle of a cloudy day. So here's the bottom line. As a driver's car, the Honda Accord Hybrid brings the right mix of performance and economy that will please almost every driver. The infotainment system may be a little too sophisticated for easy use, and that's a shame. If you're traveling with adults that must use the back seat, they'll be fine for short to medium distances. Just make sure your roadside assistance account is current, you know, in case you blow a tire. The base manufacturer suggested retail price for the 2023 Honda Accord Hybrid Sedan starts from $31,345 for the Sport, 
up to $37,340 for the touring model. Destination charges add $1,095. And I'll add this. It's been quite a while since I've driven a Honda Accord. And I got to tell you, you know, it was nice to get back behind the wheel. It was wonderful to drive this car. And as I found out later, the trim level that I drove was not the top one. It is a fact, it was the entry level one for the hybrid. So while I did complain a bit about uh, the Spartan accommodations in the backseat, I would want to drive a touring model to double check to see if that improved somewhat. I'm certainly hoping so. Because otherwise, yeah, this would be a car that if you wanted a decent car and you love to drive, but you didn't want to spend, you know, like German performance money, this would be the car for you. Because the Accord really, at these prices, are less than. Most of your, comp well, most of your compact and midsize crossovers and SUVs, and it's comparably priced with an Nissan Altima. So you're going to get a performance vehicle that you are going to love to drive. I guarantee it. Um, and we're going to have to find out, and maybe Honda can shed some light on the situation of those tires, because all you had was an air pump, and that was not okay. And the backseat passengers also sit on the battery pack, just so you know. It's a small battery pack, but you sit there. Hey, and 47 miles is 47 miles. <laughs> and you do have to turn off the heater, because you turn if you have the heater on and you go to EV mode, it's going to tell you to turn the thing off. But, you know... You, you, the sacrifice. You may have heard of ChatGPT, but it's Radio GPT that will upend an industry. You are listening to the Tech Mobility Show. Believe it or not, the Tech Mobility Show has a website. Yep. Combined with all the other ways you can interact with us, our website is a great place to start. Learn more about the host. Find us in the news and even check out where you can hear our programs across the country on the radio. I know, right? Our website is a great place to learn more about us and our programming. Go to techmobility.show for more information. Welcome to AONmeetings.com, your next video conferencing and webinar platform. Host your next virtual meeting or your paid webinar with registration and secure file sharing, break rooms classrooms, and much more. With over five levels of security to know that your data is safe and secure and 100% browser-based, keep in touch with family and friends using the newest meeting platform. Go to aonmeetings.com to start your free seven-day trial. That's aonmeetings.com to start your seven-day free trial. If you're just joining us, this is the third segment of the Tech Mobility Show. And this particular segment kind of hits close to home, so bear with me. Imagine this, a computer-generated voice created by for radio that is barely discernible from human, that can do its own show prep, that is aware of hot topics being discussed on social media in a specific market, and can work seven days a week without taking a break. Is this the future? Nope. It's called Radio GPT. Welcome to Topic B. Stumbled across this article in Radio World, and it opened my eyes and depressed me somewhat because it's not all the time that you can see your end, but I think I just seen mine, and I'm not sure I'm okay with it. It's a company called Futuri Media, and they claim that the future of radio is here with the introduction of its AI bot, Radio G GPT. 
And let's be honest, radio's been automating for some time. And with the pandemic, there's been a dramatic reduction in your favorite disc jockeys, talk show hosts, on-air personalities, production people. It's just really shrunk. Now, the people at Futuri Media say that, you know, AI is not going to put people out of work necessarily, but it's going to help your local people be more efficient so they can be doing other things like, you know, public facing things like with the media or producing ads and things. Yeah, let me just read some of this because the more I read, the less I liked it. But I'll start with a question. What does live and local mean to you? Let me tell you in a, in a Radio GPT world what that means. The Radio GPT process begins with Futuri's broadcast interface, which is tied to the station's automation system. They see their program logs and the talk break commands, and they use uh, a form GPT-4 to create a conversational element that could be about what is currently trending or local news or weather or a station promo or teasing another song or even plugging a sponsor mention. Radio GPT creates dynamic and engaging voices, which combine with Futuri's backend imaging and loaded to the station's automation. Using AI can really create a live and local broadcast, and it can make voice track shifts much more engaging. And for those of you that don't know what voice tracking is, it's pre-recorded. It's a pre-recorded uh, personality uh, that may have recorded days or hours in advance to replay during a certain segment. And yes, that's been happening for years. A lot of these radio stations, whether you like it or not, are automatic or what I call semi-automatic. But this is the part that scares me. Imagine, imagine a radio station being able to extend the uniqueness of their existing personalities and have them do other day parts or audio production while being freed up to handle other tasks. The company estimates that 70% of air shifts in the United States are already voice tracked or at least passively produced. So what does all that mean? All that radio talk. What it means? All right. He thinks it will help radio stations become more efficient and more effective. I'm going to tell you as an accounting major and a person who's run companies, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. Because he talks about several major radio chains, which I will not mention here, but they're major. And they're going to do what they've always done because it mentioned, you know, that they're under pressure to cut costs because of their debt load. Yes, they are. And they're not going to supplant or make AI a companion. They're going to replace people with AI. Because when you got into everything this does, and I want to find exactly this because I could not believe they went into detail of just how much it could do. And it, I was just, I was in shock because basically it did so much and it did it better and it sounds better. Then why did you need live personalities at this point? And I'm sure that I'm not going to be the only one that figures that out. Yeah, I want to, I want to get to it. I'm still looking for it because, um, and there is a major radio group that I'm not going to name. Uh, that is one of their beta partners, that they're looking at launching this kind of stuff. But if you think that AI is in the future, if you poo-poo this uh, chat GPT that's out now, fun fact for you, I already got an email from 
OpenAI talking about their next generation of the thing. Got that email today. I'm not worried about what they're doing now, although they're doing phenomenal things. I'm worried about what they're going to do one, two, three generations from now as they bring all this stuff together, uh, natural uh, machine learning and natural neural networks and natural speech learning and all this kind of stuff. They said that the synthetic voice software behind it has been in development for three years. The platform can also write blogs and social media posts. Let that sink in. And that's not all. Hmm. It could do so much, it's, it's pathetic. Oh, here you go. The platform, I found it. The platform uses AI-generated voices combined with real-time intelligence about what's happening in a local market to create a localized personality. A predictive AI platform called Topic Pulse monitors Facebook and Instagram and collects data from over 250,000 news sources looking for local trends. And then an AI voice creates local content. Radio clients can choose from more than 100 synthetic or cloned voices, and they can assign a voice a personality. They can use Radio GPT to create shows with one, two, or three hosts and program for individual time of day. The tool can generate social posts and blogs related to content on the air. It can create short videos and hot topics for social use. Its broadcast audio can then be published to podcasting platforms automatically as desired. If you've got sys- if you got software to do all that, tied into all that, why do you need us? Now, for the record, I'm real. <laughs> I really am. And I write this stuff all the time. Now, have I used some help a little bit to suggest words and things? Absolutely. It helps me be more efficient. But I haven't turned it over to writing my whole script Simply because right now, a lot of it's not accurate. Now, they claim they would check for misinformation and what they call hallucinations, where the system tries to generate stuff and claims it's true and newsworthy when it's not, through Topic Pulse's very rigorous review with human curators. How long before radio stations take that next level, particularly in larger markets, where they say, you know what? We can create a personality based on demographics, based on all the marketing research we've done, and program it to be exactly what you want to hear, what you're willing to listen to, what you want for subjects and topics and all of this stuff. Automated. If you care about radio, if you care about really local, if you care about personalities delivering your news instead of some machine, now's the time to speak up, folks. Because it's coming. And they're going to get the rest of us in the next few years because they expect to roll this out, by the way, before the end of this year. And they talked about having at least 200 stations ready to go across the country. Radio GPT. Something you haven't heard about. You heard about it here. I took it out of a trade publication because you needed to know. And now you do. Absolutely. This, my friends... Is a part of the future. Here's another case of where a company adopted AI. We are the Tech Mobility Show.
Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. These days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us. Believe it or not, the Tech Mobility Show has a website. Yep. Combined with all the other ways you can interact with us, our website is a great place to start. Learn more about the host, find us in the news, and even check out where you can hear our programs across the country on the radio. I know, right? Our website is a great place to learn more about us and our programming. Go to techmobility.show for more information. With all the news and reaction to the growing influence of artificial intelligence in our society, you know, like the last piece I just talked about, here's a question. Does it spell the end of work as we know it for everybody? One company recently deployed AI in the workplace, and this is topic C, and we're going to talk about them. Now, the difference in this case is that this Fortune 500 company, which had researchers, they allowed the researchers in to do a very rigorous study but on the condition that they didn't name the company. So we'll share. And this may be a cautionary tale that AI doesn't have to be the end all, but there are still problems. So let's start with the good stuff. And we'll start with this particular, this company. They had a couple of scientists, um, well, actually uh, technological uh, economists, uh, do the research and do the rigor uh, proving on this particular example. This first empirical study of real-world economic effects of new IAI systems, they looked at this one company. They looked at what happened to a company and its workers after it incorporated a version of ChatGPT, a popular interactive AI chatbot, into workflows. You know, the one that everybody's poo-pooing because, oh, it gets it all wrong. Yeah, but companies are implementing this thing. What the economist found offers potentially great news for the economy, at least in one dimension, that is crucial to improving our living standards. AI caused a group of workers to become much more productive. With an important caveat, they developed the AI into the workflows to assist, not replace. That's important. Put a pin in that because we're going to come back to that in a minute because there are some still caveats that they're going to have to work out. 
Backed by AI, these workers were able to accomplish much more in less time with greater customer satisfaction to boot. So it sounds like a win-win-win. Okay. And this company, this Fortune 500 company, actually didn't adopt the current version of ChatGPT, but a prior version. They also call it generative AI and also a large language model. Systems that have crunched a ton of data, especially text, and learned word patterns that enable them to do things like answer questions and write instructions. Now, the company in question provides other companies with administrative software. Think like programs that help businesses do accounting and logistics. A big part of this company's job is helping its customers, mostly small businesses, with technical support. While the company's customer support agents are all over the place, they spend their days helping small businesses tackle various kinds of technical problems with their software. Think like, why am I getting this error message? Or, help, I can't log in. Instead of talking to their customers by the phone, these customer service agents mostly communicate with them through online chat windows. And the troubleshooting sessions, as you can imagine, on average could be quite long. The average in this case is usually 40 minutes. And agents need to know the ins and outs of the company's software, how to solve problems, how to deal with sometimes irate customers. Gee, really? It's a stressful job and there's high turnover. How high, you ask? In some cases, this company... 60% of reps quit every year. <coughs> Dealing with turnover rates like that, they're spending a lot of time and money training new staffers, trying to get them up to speed. So in late 2020, they decided to use an AI system to help it help its consistently training customer support staff get better at their jobs faster. The company's goal at that time was to improve the performance of their workers not to replace them. Now when the agents look at the computer screens, they don't only see just a chat window with their customers, they see another chat window with an AI chatbot, which is there to help them more effectively assist customers real time. Think of that as a real online, real time uh, tech resource or resource library that can interact rather than having to put you on hold, reach another more experienced staffer, pose the question, get the answer, get back to find out that it was slightly different, go back and ask a follow-up question. These folks in real time have this at their disposal to interact with the customer immediately. And that would be pretty cool. The interactive chatbot was trained by reading through a ton of previous conversations between reps and customers. It had recognized word patterns in these conversations, identifying key phrases and common problems facing customers and how to solve them. Because the company tracks which conversations leave the customers satisfied, the AI chatbot knows what formulas often lead to success. Okay, so far win-win, right? Equipped with the new AI system, the company's customer support reps are now basically part human, part intelligent machine, cyborg customer reps, if you will. Now, this company did give the economists insight to access, rigorously evaluate what happened. Customer service agents were given assistance from intelligent machines. The economists examined the performance of over 5,000 agents comparing the outcomes of old-school customer reps without AI against new AI-enhanced cyber customer reps. The big finding, gee, with the AI-enhanced reps, they were 14% more productive. 
They were able to resolve more customer issues per hour. <laughs> Money. Okay? And that's huge. The company's workforce is now faster and more effective. And they're happier because turnover has gone down, especially among new hires. And because now they've got help with their jobs in real time, the company's customers are more satisfied, and so are the reps. And they tend to be nicer in conversations and are less likely to ask to speak to an agent supervisor. Imagine. So, while this is going, here's a question. Remember I said put a pin in it. Where is the AI getting all the successful resolutions from the more experienced reps that have been there a while? They're taking that information, compiling it down, and making it available to all the reps. So what, what does this mean? It means that now the company can take a new rep and get them up to speed in two months instead of six to where they are proficient and accurate and on it in two months post six months. But that information, that knowledge, that collective hive of knowledge came from the more experienced reps. Now, here's the question. If you're one of the more experienced reps, should the company pay you more? Because now, the new reps, they've been here a couple months, they now know, or they are now as proficient as you are, but it was your knowledge given to the bot that helped them get there. And here's the other question. If the new hire is as good as the senior member, as good, should they make the same money? Used to be, you had a level of seniority. You learned, you accomplished, you gained knowledge, you got very good at what you were doing. How does this work in AI-enabled workplace where the AI can bring me up to speed faster and make me as good as you? And as the AI gets better, so do I. How do you resolve that? How do you deal with that? This is the larger question, because not everybody's going to win or lose. And eventually, as the more experienced people leave or the thing evolves, wouldn't the company be entitled to maybe get rid of them? Food for thought. We've come to the end of our program. Be sure to join me again at the same time next week. This has been the Tech Mobility Show. The Tech Mobility Show is a copywritten production of Tech Mobility Productions Incorporated. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Tech Mobility Productions Incorporated. Welcome to AONMeetings.com, your next video conferencing and webinar platform. Host your next virtual meeting or your paid webinar with registration and secure file sharing, break rooms, classrooms, and much more. With over five levels of security to know that your data is safe and secure and 100% browser-based, keep in touch with family and friends using the newest meeting platform. Go to AONMeetings.com to start your free seven-day trial. That's AONMeetings.com to start your seven-day free trial. Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. 
Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. These days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us. Follow us. 